Good evening. I hope this episode finds you well. It seems the time has come for another story to send you off to the arms of the Sandman or to just chill out and relax as your day goes by. Tonight, I'm speaking to you from my London studio, a.k.a. my apartment. (laughs) But it's the first story I've ever recorded outside of Ireland, and it got me thinking about the natural beauty of home. I think Irish people are certainly guilty of becoming misty-eyed about our country when we're overseas. But to be fair, why wouldn't we? Like many things in life, of course, we often don't appreciate what we have until it's gone. That can be people or places or many other things we hold dear. I think childhood is one of those things. And tonight's story is one I wrote a while back about a young woman who thinks back to the simplicity of her childhood and a particularly beautiful place in Ireland where she spent many of her summers. That place is called Spanish Point in County Clare. Spanish Point by M.J. McGrath. The envelope had arrived on Friday. It was now Sunday, and still it sat on the coffee table in the living room, going nowhere. What was it about the way the words were written? Surely the same secretary wasn't still working in school after all these years. The watermark of Laurel Hill, FCJ, was still the same too. And Amy remembered how she loaded the whiff of pretension from its curling edges. Its tone almost mocked the recipient, as the envelope would invariably contain bad news. Summer and Christmas reports, absenteeism, notice of impending suspension, money required for sports kits, money required for everything else. And now, after all this time, that watermark and that envelope had invaded her adult life. It had not passed through her parents' letterbox, but instead made its way across town, into suburbia, and over the threshold of her own home. How dare it! It had no right, no jurisdiction here, in the sanctuary of her own fully mortgaged dwelling. It should be removed at once, flung to the bins and interned with the rest near the nearest landfill. It should be cremated in pagan ritual. It should be gone. It should be... It should. But she had opened it, and now it was too late. This time, the news within the envelope had warmed her cheeks with a new despair. A new twist at the end of the same old road. Amy O'Neill pressed her forehead against the wooden panels of the cupboard over the sink. She had forgotten what she had come into the kitchen for and found herself hoping that it wasn't simply to get away from the letter. Surely she needed a cup of tea, a club milk. No, the contents of the letter would have to be accepted. And so, walking downtrodden back to the living room, she fell heavily into the couch behind the coffee table and gazed at the envelope's torn edges once more. The daylight had yielded to dusk outside her window 
and the lights of Duradial twinkled against the dusty red glow of the city beyond. Shepherd's delight, she whispered into the sleeve of her woolen sweater, curling her feet beneath her body to offset the fall in temperature. The timber flooring seemed all the world a desert in the last blaze of the failing sun, and its sombre rays illuminated the cherry-schemed furniture in a glow of saffron hues. Beneath the floating dust particles, the envelope waited to be examined once more, and it did so with an air of finality. Pursing her lips, Amy reached across the table and picked up the paper by the edges. When she first opened it this morning, she had unfolded the letter within and read the first two lines before carefully placing the letter back inside to never be unfolded again. Now it demanded to have its story told in full before it would leave her in peace. And so, removing the letter once more from its paper case, Amy opened it out again and cast her eyes upon its contents. Dear Miss Amy O'Neill, you are cordially invited to the annual Laurel Hill School Reunion, which this year marks the 20th anniversary since the graduation of the class of 99. We hope you will be in a position to attend and we look forward to seeing you on the night. Please RSVP the school secretary at... Amy slid back into the warm folds of the couch. Sherry Crowley will be there, of course. She'd married that building contractor who had his name in lights on every crane in Limerick. She met him in Australia when she went travelling after college. Dark-haired fella. Good hurler in his day. Should have made county. And then there was Linda White. Wasn't she in Galway with her husband? He was from the Gwailtocht and his father gave them a sight around 10 years ago. She was always good at Irish, and her husband was a teacher. Great holidays. And he was a good herder. Ah, fuck this, Amy winced, throwing the envelope back to the coffee table. She knew where these ruminations were heading. In circular loops from this moment, in this house, all the way back to 1999. And what of it? Hadn't she a house to ruminate in? And a career at the revenue office? And a nice big garden with decking? It was an easier life. It was rewarding too, in its own ways. And she had become set in her own ways. Sure, who would put up with her now at this stage anyway? In another's company, she could never again enjoy her summer evenings practicing set dancing in the living room, or her winter nights watching pop videos by the fireside, half naked, sipping hot port and enjoying various soft cheeses. Yes, yes, it was better this way. Better to be the skipper of one's own ship and the navigator of choppy seas. And how the crests and trucks had rolled her round the island's coast, but never too far. She had never left Ireland, 
at least not in a meaningful way. She always steered close to the shore and kept the comely green hills in eyeshot. The blue horizon was exhilarating to ponder, but frightening to navigate without a chart. She remembered first pondering these things as a girl when she sat on a warm rock by the ocean in Spanish Point. The sea stretched a million miles beneath the sun's bright glare, and each ripple from the coast to the edge of the sky glistened like silver trinkets tumbling through the water. A sprinkle of sailboats dotted the white horizon, their brightly coloured masts sitting meekly against the vast blue surface of the ocean. What wonder, she spoke aloud, in the wonderment of a child. What comes after that blue line, and how far away is New York? Too far to swim, replied her father, who set himself stiffly down upon the rock beside her. He had brought them to Spanish Point every summer for a few days, and just as sure as carrots were important for her eyesight, an annual exposure to the Atlantic air was vital to keep a girl's hair curly, or so she was always told. But you could swim it, Daddy, couldn't you? If you really had to. Her father chuckled, rubbed the furrows of his bristled cheek, and placed a firm arm around his daughter's back. Sure, I do my best the same as anyone else, Amy. She knew he would. He always would. But you know, her father continued in a wistful voice that usually signalled the beginning of a story. I might not have to make it the whole way to America at all. There's something we don't always see sitting out there where the sky meets the water and does a dance with the fairies. Amy looked to where her father was pointing but could see nothing beyond the blue water and air. Could I see it if I got a boat to take me there? She asked. You might, but a white horse would be even better. You mean a seahorse? Well, yes, I suppose I do, but a big one that will carry you. And where would the seahorse bring me, Daddy? To that island of the fairies. Tiernanog. Upon hearing the name of this strange island, Amy sat back on her father's arms and listened to the story about the land of the fairies, the land of youth where no one ever grew old. He told her of the warrior Oshin, who fell in love with a fairy named Neve, and of how she had convinced him to leave his family in Ireland and travel on a white horse across the sea to see Tiernanog, and there he stayed for 300 years. All the while, as her father spoke, Amy trained her eyes on the edge of the horizon. Maybe if she tried really, really hard, she would be able to see it. The trip to Spanish Point was always the highlight of the summer. They would stay in a rented mobile home park at the edge of town. By day, Amy and her younger sister would play with the other children. 
picking seashells and building castles with moats for the eternal storylines of the prince and princess. At night, they would watch movies and play card games, way past Limerick bedtime, until her eyes drooped and she fell asleep in her chair. There would then follow the light sensation of being hoisted up in her father's strong arms and being swept off to bed with a final tickly kiss on her cheek from his bristles. It was different in Limerick. He would always go home from work after her mother had finished the bedtime story. She knew they hadn't a lot of money and that this had something to do with her father being away for so long. She would hear them talking downstairs in the kitchen sometimes and she wished she could get up and see him before she fell asleep. But that would get her in trouble, of course, and no one had time for that. But her father always had time in Spanish Point. Time for her mother and sister. Time to enjoy the sea air, to go fishing or take long walks by the cliffs. Time to find himself in the company of his family, as if time itself meant nothing at all. But Oshin became bored after 300 years, her father continued. He loved Neve, but he longed to return to Ireland and to see his people once more. Amy began to narrow her eyes towards the horizon. She could almost swear she could see Oshin on his white horse in the haze of the white clouds which skirted the edge of the sea. She then listened as her father told her of the greatness of Oshin's sorrow upon his return, as he realised all the centuries had passed, for it meant that his family were gone, long dead, and Ireland itself had forgotten their names. How Oshin cried for his father and mother and for his hounds, how he thought of his father's last words to him, that they would never see each other again a father now bones in a grave. For time had meant something. It had meant a thousand farewells never spoken. And when Oshin fell from his horse, he too would feel the wasting of time upon his ancient body and would die in the arms of a stranger. Clinging to her father's arm, the girl felt the weight of her years come suddenly upon her the weight of her memories compiled over so many seasons, the weight of Ireland, which had always drawn her to its soil. And within a fever, she awoke as an adult on her couch in Duradile. The room was still, and her father had gone. He had been gone a long time. Amy felt a bubble of water, erupt from beneath her right eye and a single hot tear scorched down her cheek to the top of her lip. The salt water between Spanish Point and the fairyland tasted bitter on her tongue and she shut her eyes tightly against the sickness of it all. Her house reposed in an earthly silence and the air hung heavy with the weight of another summer Twisting beneath a blanket of humidity, 
her ears listened for the faint sounds of the living, which might emanate from outside her singularly occupied space. Behind the door, a timid breeze rustled in the letterbox, and a grandmother clock ticked its life away to the lonely hallway. The kitchen sat in a cold and clinical stillness, broken only by the sound of an insect hitting the patio glass and the internal humming of the fridge. All around, the solitude of the quiet set deep within our home as the walls slowly creaked and the house began to settle. She would return to Spanish Point. Not tomorrow, but now. Rising from the couch, Amy stepped heavily on each foot until she found herself in the kitchen. Sliding her keys from the countertop, she stepped loudly along the wooden floorboards of the hallway to the front door. But now, closing her hand tightly around the bunch of keys, she hesitated at the lock. Looking back to the living room, Amy could see the letter from her school still sitting on the table. The invitation to commemorate the decades of her life and a drawing nearer to the earth of old Ireland. Turning from its words, she flung the door open and felt the cool summer's breeze flow over the contours of her face. She would return to the white horse of Spanish Point, and her feet would never touch the soil again.